and like maybe like if you could have like some little Superman theme music in the background. Dun dun dun. You you dun, plan dun, out these things. Dun dun dun. Dun 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 dun. <laughs> dun dun dun. <laughs> JudgeCast. This is episode number 77. With me as always, my two enchanting co-hosts. Oh, I think I already used that one. First off, Jess Dunks. Hi, I'm Jess. Also, we have Brian Perlman. Hello! I'm here despite the government shutdown. <laughs> At least I didn't say Judge Cust this time. Yes. Progress. Progress. What? No, it is. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> I, I, I paused for a second there. I was like, what? No. <laughs> Um, you take two steps forward. <laughs> hey, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. So we're going to try a slightly different format this episode where we will talk about news after we talk about the main topic. Uh, so in just a second, we're going to dive right into the main Isn't topic. Isn't that news? Yeah. Well, oh, I got to say it once. <laughs> oh, no. The point is the people who love the news. Paradox. Well, paradox. Ah. That's going to be after the main topic. So sit it's like tight. A it's a paradox haze. Do we have to mention this twice now? Uh, well, I do this this, like (laughs) by choice with you before. Right. We were just talking about that. We were like, we really like working together. No, that's what I, that's, that's off the air on the air. Hey, it's Stockholm syndrome. (laughs) You started identifying with your captors. Yes. Uh, All right. So speaking of Stockholm syndrome, our main topic today is going to be a little bit of unsporting conduct. (laughs) What an awkward segue. It's unsporting <laughs> to kidnap somebody. Okay. And hold and their... illegal. And illegal. Uh, you know, it may not be illegal in certain jurisdictions. Like if we ever have if we ever have a sanctioned event on like the moon, right? There's no legal body to to say, "Hey, you can't kidnap somebody." I think that's America's moon. We were there first and we put a flag there. Right. <laughs> Obviously. I also went into my neighbor's lawn and just put a flag there. And now- <laughs> well, th- no, because you weren't there first. There's a difference. Maybe we do news first so we get this out of our system. <laughs> Maybe. Anyway, we're not. So so our topic is unsporting conduct. Yes. Uh, that's that's a lot of stuff. It is. Maybe we should probably break it down so that we're not doing everything in one podcast. Why, why would you make it sound like we didn't prepare to do specifically that? Like, <laughs> why would you make us seem less prepared? That's what you just did. Well, I did it in a I did it in a tone of voice that implies like a setup. Yeah, but okay, we're we're only going to be covering on this episode aggressive behavior, uh, unsporting conduct major, and unsporting conduct minor because they all kind of go together. Right. They they kind of feel like different tiers of the same thing. But let's start at the very beginning. What exactly is unsporting conduct? The the whole section of the IPG. Section so, four. Yes. Nailed it. So unsporting conduct is one of the three major categories in which we group uh, infractions. Uh, the, the first being gameplay errors, then tournament errors, and then unsporting conduct. Um, and unsporting conduct is defined. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. Quotes. Unsporting conduct is disruptive behavior that may affect the safety, competitiveness, enjoyment, or integrity of an event in a significantly negative fashion. Okay, so so basically this is, you know, if you look at those four words, safety, competitiveness, enjoyment or integrity, uh, players should feel safe. 
you know, we want we want the events to be uh, determined by people actually playing games of magic and not other means, which we won't talk about in this. We'll talk about it in a later podcast. Mm-hmm. Enjoyment. People are supposed to have fun at these things, obviously. Uh, and then the integrity of the event in a significantly negative fashion. So basically things that work against these these objectives are things that are potentially uh, uh, unsporting conduct. I'd like to highlight the word significantly there. Yeah. Um, There are things, and I I think you might be about to say this, I'm sorry, but there are things that are, that might be considered unsporting that aren't deserving of unsporting conduct penalties. And that's an important point to make too. Like not letting your opponent have takesy backsies. You might say that's unsporting, but that is certainly not. Or you might not. Yeah. You could argue that it's not. Like, I, I don't think that's actually that unsporting, but uh, like, let me give you an example. One of my most recent events, I had a player who drew what he believed was the best possible hand he could draw with his draft deck. And he goes, hey, Judge, can I play with my hand reveal? <laughs> OK, and yeah, that's I'm like, well, you're allowed to reveal any cards that that uh, that you're able to see. And he goes, OK, and he just lays his hand out on the table and proceeds to completely crush this opponent. Yeah, that is definitely and, the definition of something that's not sporting, but is not unsporting. Right. right. And that's and that's probably the the, the clarity here. There's. There's a large middle ground. There's a large middle ground of, you know, things that aren't unsporting, but aren't, you know, sporting. You know, think think you've got your positive numbers and you've got this negative, your negative numbers, and you've got the zero in the middle. That's kind of really neither. Okay, so that's in that, and we call that area being a jerk. (laughs) 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 It's um so. Uh, so let's, so let's get right, get right into, and let's, let's talk about the big, the big heavy hitter. All right. Okay. Aggressive behavior. Yeah. This one, this one sounds bad, doesn't it? I mean. Well, it is bad. This is the one that you could be breaking the law if you did it. Right. So this one's pretty bad. So, uh, uh. This right here, the aggressive behavior, and we're going to give you the definitions that are in the IPG because specifically with aggressive behavior in USC Major, okay, they have specific definitions and as to what they what they entail. Um, so the definition is a player acts in a threatening way towards others or their property. So okay. if, if I come up to Brian and I'm like, I'm going to punch you in your face, that's pretty aggressive behavior. Yep. Um, another another example uh, would be, and this happened at at, at one event that uh, that I was at. Um, the guy just, uh, you know, two players were playing. Um, player B lost because of a stupid mistake. He felt that player A cheesed him out of the win, and he just flat out backhanded the player's deck off the table. <laughs> okay. In that particular case, that is. Uh, that's the towards their property, right? People deserve, uh, people have the right to not have their decks hit. Um, yeah, there's there's a promo from like from like when the uh, Pro Tour was on ESPN two or something, and, and it has that guy. Uh, they call him the Hammer. You know what I'm talking about? Very old player. Yes. And and they have and it's just, just a promo. He didn't actually do it, but they have him reaching across and actually tearing his opponent's card in half. That would be aggressive behavior. Oh, the the Hotel California commercials. Yes, there. Yep, those are hilarious. It. Yeah. You know what? Today is a tournament of magic. At I will Hotel find California. them and put a link to them in the show notes. Those are great. I, I the number of times I have started a tournament with the announcement today is a tournament of magic because of those. <laughs> 
<laughs> they're really funny. I love I love those old commercials. And they, they try to have like specific personalities. Like, hey guys, like wrestling. Hold on. What's damage? <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's exactly. Yeah. But tearing apart your opponent's card would be aggressive behavior. Um, oh, the old judge joke, flipping a table, right? That's flipping a table, uh, yanking a chair out from under a, a under another player. You know, all all of those things are are definitely definitely aggressive. And so, what happens to you uh, when you act this way? Well, what, what's the penalty? Depending on what you do, you may be getting arrested. But at a minimum, you are going to be asked to leave this tournament. The the penalty is a disqualification. There's there's okay. no leeway. There's no no downgrade. You can't you can't punch someone and then call it on yourself. <laughs> right. Ah. Well, I didn't know it was, was wrong. There's no advantage to that. But also, also uh, not only is there a disqualification, uh, but the the guy uh, needs to leave. I mean, some, sometimes, you know, with a disqualification, uh, the player can, you know, hey, can I play sides? Yeah, sure. Go, go play. Go play your sides. Yeah. But in the in the in the case of uh, an aggressive behavior, he needs to leave. Um, now, with regard to calling the police and stuff like that, you know, that's. That's in the TO realm of well, even, things. E- even asking him to leave should probably be done by the event organizer. Yeah. Uh, if you're if you're a judge at the event and you're working for somebody else, disqualifying them is absolutely something you can do. But asking them to leave is something that should be done by the organizer. Now, they can empower you to do that, but you should be talking to them about it. Right. And you can ask them to leave your area, the area of the event that you you control and you are responsible for. But, you know, if he wants to go over by the computer and look at cards and stuff like that, that's really where your authority as a judge kind of ends. And that's that's T.O. Please. He, this guy just did this. Um, he needs to leave. So. Um, now, one of one of the things I want to talk about briefly, and this this also goes for USC major, is your first priority needs to be getting control of the situation. What we would call de-escalating the situation. Yeah, de-escalating. I mean, I mean, bring it, bring it down. Like, like obviously, if someone's like, if there's, a, if there's a a, a, a a fighter going on, or someone's like yelling and someone hits another person's deck, slaps it across the table. You know, your your job needs to be to get everybody down to a level where this is not going on anymore. And this can be really, really tricky. Uh, because it really depends on the the people involved and what the situation is. Um, so I don't necessarily have any good tips for how to deal with this. Yeah, because I don't think we're saying um, if if there's a fight going on, I, I don't think I would say it's necessarily your responsibility to jump in the middle of that and clear it up. Um, nah, I mean, we don't want judges getting hit. No, but at the same at the same time, it does need to it does need to stop. Sure. And a lot of t- a lot of times, if you if you are there and you've got some other judges and you've got the TO, then and you feel that you can safely separate them, right? Um, you know, do so. Yeah. Uh, generally, what happens though when someone commits an aggressive behavior is they perform an action and then they storm out. So in a, in a sense, that is a a de-escalation because they are removing themselves. But you need to go still follow up and address address that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes sometimes it might even be that they just straight up leave the venue, you know, and it's like, OK, well, 
disqualify you, you're gone. You don't get to write a statement because you're not here anymore. <laughs> they could now. I have had it happen where they've calmed down and come back, and I've had them write a statement. Yes, uh, that's that's a thing that can happen. But you don't have to get their statement, and they don't have to be in the building for you to disqualify them for aggressive behavior. Nope. Uh, uh, if you have uh, the opportunity to get a statement from them, get a statement because you are disqualifying them. So they have the 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 right to provide a statement to wizards. Um, I mean, I, uh, the other one here is a player makes a threat against a judge after receiving a ruling. Oh, um, I, I don't know if either of you guys have had this happen. No, um, I've had this happen, but I've only had it happen when I was already disqualifying somebody. <laughs> you get the double DQ. Yeah. So somebody, so they're being disqualified. They get upset about it and then they threaten me. This has only happened to me twice. Um, and I, and, and, <laughs> it's only twice. It's, it's only twice. But no, I, I judge a lot of magic tournaments. So like, if you're out there listening, it's probably not going to happen to you at all. But yeah, it's never happened to me. It, I mean, I judge a lot of magic tournaments. So like, the weird outliers tend to happen to me. So don't expect that. But it has happened to me twice. When it happens, it's the same thing. You're already disqualifying them, right? So just try to de-escalate the situation and keep moving with your tournament. And if you need to ask them to leave, uh, is in this case, then you get your organizer involved. Or if you are the organizer, you ask them to leave. But keep it polite and professional if possible. Yep. Um, include even that, though if they're not being. Include that in your report to to Wizards, though, when yes. you when you write up the disqualification, because um, someone can get mad. But the addition, the addition of threatening, threatening a judge, you know, Wizards, shocker, Wizards kind of likes to keep judges from getting hit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, someone who's aggressive after being disqualified for something else is usually getting a pretty significant suspension. Uh, not always. I'm not on the, the investigations committee, so I can't say or guarantee that that'll happen. But in my experience, somebody that commits aggressive behavior gets a, a significant suspension. Uh, so the other thing is you don't have to worry about, well, what if they come back and play again later? Um, if they're going to be suspended, they're going to be suspended. And that's not in your hands. Yeah. yeah. There, there, was a, there was a situation a few months ago where – uh, my phone starts lighting up and a, a judge uh, a few hours away is like, hey, a player just threatened me. What? And I'm actually kind of worried. What do I do? And, you know, you kind of basically, you know, you tell them, write the stuff down. When you leave the venue, if you are genuinely worried, you know, leave, leave the, you know, when you leave the venue, make sure people are with you. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's kind of one of the things that this never happens or you know that one guy that one time you know over there it happened to it's, him. it's the kind of thing you hear urban legends about right like i know a judge who knew a judge who said that uh, this happened to his friend like yeah it's not something you hear about on a regular basis yeah which is i'm the i'm the judge telling you that it happened to so i'm telling you and the listeners are listening mm -hmm. uh, anyway so that's that's a lot for uh, aggressive behavior. Yeah, it should be really easy to spot. I was gonna say it's it's really the easiest one to notice, but it's also very rare. Okay, the point is it's directed towards another person or their property. So a guy like throws down his own deck. That is not aggressive behavior. Nope. Because that he is, throws down your deck. That is aggressive behavior. Throws his deck at you. Also aggressive. That behavior. is also aggressive behavior. Yeah. So if he throws down his own deck, though, what's that? Segway. That would be unsporting conduct major. Major. Yes, our second category. <laughs> um, so who wants to who wants to do the definition of this? I'll do it. 
So this this definition, as the IPG defines it, is a player does one or more of the following fails oh, a list. Fa- fails to follow a direct instruction from a tournament official. So I think I think we'll loop back to that one in a second. Uh, insults another person based on his or her race, color, religion, national origin, age, gender, disability, or sexual orientation, or commits aggressive or violent behavior that is not directed at another person or another person's property. Like I said, throwing down your own deck. So do you want do we want to go over these uh, these guys one by one? Yeah, let's do that. So let's start with fails to follow direct instruction from a tournament official. Uh, the reason I said we'd loop back to this is because there's another penalty, which is a tournament error called failure to follow official announcements. These yeah. two are not the same thing. So so what failure to follow initial f- failure to follow official announcements is about is if I give an announcement to the group. You know, I tell everyone to put their names on their deck list and then someone doesn't put their name on their deck list. That is not unsporting conduct major. That is failure to follow official announcements because I gave that instruction to the group and one person didn't do it. If, however, I go to a guy and I say, um, don't do this anymore, you know, uh, and we have a solid example. As I say, you know, I tell someone to change their sleeves between rounds, uh, but that's probably going to be a marked cards upgrade anyway. When, uh, as, as far as providing someone a direct instruction. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So here's, here's a, here's an example. Um, cause there's, there's things in the tournament rules that aren't, that aren't covered. Okay. Like, so a guy, um, uh, proceeds to, uh, you know, sideboard in his lap. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Under the, under the table. So the first time, the first time you see that you're going to explain to the guy, you know, Hey, and, and this is this this right here. There's a little bit of variance in this, but you can say like, hey, um, this is the way that works. I'm going to ask you to, to to do that above the table. So in that, that particular case, you didn't actually give him a direct instruction. OK, but if he does it again, you know, you tell him directly, do not do this. OK, the third time you find him doing it, it's OK. So the first time I asked, second time I told <laughs> now it's. It's USC, USC major. And you don't have to do the first thing when I said ask. You don't you don't have to do that. Um, but if you if you tell them not to do something, you know, like I need you to sideboard on the table. You know, you don't have to show them what you're sideboarding, obviously. But I need you to not be doing that in your lap. Right. So don't. And then they do it. Uh, well, uh, that would be that would be an example of of USC major. Um Another example um, <clears throat> would be, you know, I, I guess the example is, is, you know, you you make your ruling and you ask them to stop or you ask them to start playing again, you know, and he doesn't, you know, you you get you as a head judge, you give your ruling. Uh, he wants to argue a little bit more when you say uh, we can talk about it after the match, but right now you need to continue playing your match. And if he continues to argue and refuses to continue his match, well, that's I get I guess. That game's going to end. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I would normally in that case, I'd be like, I need you to keep playing magic. If he keeps arguing, I would say I've given you a direct instruction to do this. We could talk about this later, but I need you to do this. If you don't, you will get this penalty. And that's usually enough. Um, usually. You don't have to say that, but nope. I, I do. And it's just usually enough to keep people from. You like uh, to fire a warning shot across her nose. It's a Spaceballs reference. Yeah, I. I, I <laughs> Jeez. CJ, help me out! Help me out here. That was a good Spaceballs reference, right? Yogurt. I know. I hate yogurt. I hate yogurt. 
Very good. You guys were talking about your whatever videos from earlier. Oh. <laughs> Let me talk about Spaceballs. You know, one of the examples here in the IPG is that uh, a player is asked to leave the play area and is still watching a match a few minutes later. Um, the, inter- the thing I want to bring up about that is you don't have to be a player in the tournament to receive an unsporting conduct penalty. You know, we, we talk about that sometimes with outside assistance. But, you know, if somebody's I can't imagine why somebody outside the tournament would have aggressive behavior. But if they did, you would still disqualify. Them. I guess you'd enter them into the tournament, disqualify them and write up the whole report and everything. Yep. That's the only point I wanted to make on that. So how do we talk about the next one while keeping this show PG? Um, OK, insults another person based on his race, color, religion, national origin, age, gender, disability or sexual orientation. Yeah. All right, guys, you guys are smart people. You know, okay. the you know, the buzzwords. Well, it's not even it's not even buzzwords. I have had I have had someone I gave a ruling that they didn't like and they said, why are you so biased towards the white player? Um, okay, and, and that's kind of kind of falls into this category. He didn't use a slur, right? But he's yeah. definitely saying something based on based on uh, a race here. Um, uh, so yeah, yeah that one. Is, yeah, that one doesn't. I mean, it's. But I don't know. I don't know. You have two sneeches playing, and one has one star, and the other has two stars on his belly. And one makes fun of the other one for having two stars on his belly when everyone knows good sneeches have one star on their belly. What's a sneech? Really? They have they have the star belly sneeches have stars upon bars. Yeah. yeah, thank you. I knew I knew Prilliman would know he has a daughter. Right. <laughs> it's a it's a Dr. Seuss story that's yeah. talking about that's talking about racism. Racism. So the whole the whole purpose of the book is hey, there's there's some sneeches and then some sneeches get stars on their belly and they're like, Oh, we're great because we have stars. So then all those sneeches without stars on their bellies, like pay a man to add, have stars added. And then all the original star belly sneeches are like, oh, man, now we're not special. So we're going to have our stars removed and start acting like we're better now because we don't have those stinky old stars on our belly. And so it's just this cycle of some groups always playing catch up to either have the star on or star off. It's great, man. <laughs> Dr. Dr. Seuss was a master. So yes, go read it. Judge Cats is the worst. <laughs> yeah. Sne- uh, what's what's the name of the what's the Star Valley Sneeches? Is the name of the story? I don't know. I just remember reading it. So like anyway, that. so anyway, if you get mad at your opponent and you call him in a derogatory manner a star bellied Sneech, <laughs> okay, then that's that is a uh, that's USC major. That's a that's a game loss. So okay, there so- is there is people that Sneech should not be you know it should it should not be pointed out that that the whole sneech thing starting to throw me off (laughs) (laughs) you dived into it much deeper than i did i know i know i know i need to pull back pull back (laughs) um no player players have the the right to to feel comfortable okay uh and Something something like race, religion, gender, sexual orientation, those are not things uh, that should be insulted. Uh, so it's not allowed. They, those are protected, you know, those are protected groups under the IPG. Um, so hands off. Yeah. So, so to be clear here, if I call Brian Perlman a jerk, that is not one of these these protected classes, you could say. Um, so that's going to be a different penalty. That's that's unsporting conduct minor, which we'll get to, of course. 
But if I call him a no star snitch, well, that's making fun of him for having no stars. And therefore, I am going to receive a game loss for that. And it's got to it's got to be it's got to be like a a slur. Okay, you you are saying it because being a snarb star bellied snitch is a negative thing. Yeah. Okay. You are a negative thing. Don't call me a negative thing. Right. I mean, that's 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 really basically what it what it gets to this thing that you identify with. You are a negative thing because you identify with it. All right. I think we covered that well enough. And then the final point, as we talk about, is commits aggressive or violent behavior that is not directed at another person or another person's property. I think I think we've covered that well enough. Yep. So the penalty for unsporting conduct major is a game loss. Yep. Now, here's another little additional thing. Um, So when you uh, tell somebody to not do something, okay, um, or or rather whatever, or not necessarily even that, but just even the insults and the aggressive behavior and stuff like that, when you get the situation under control or when you're trying to get the situation under control, okay, players are expected to stop immediately. And if they don't, well, I mean, it's not like, OK, I'm just going to give you another game loss. Thump, thump. <laughs> uh, no, uh, you're going to get I mean, it's basically it's you're gone. Bye. OK, this is it's not a disqualification, but you're being removed from the you're being removed from the tournament. So you are essentially disqualified because you're gone. You're not playing anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. OK. And the other thing is uh, if you are between games, OK, or between between matches, um, you can apply this to the beginning of the next uh, the next match. I mean, like, you know, the match is over and the you know, the slips angrily fills out the slip and then uh, uh, throws his deck down on the floor, gets up and slams his chair. You know, you can apply that to the next game. You know, yeah. And that's actually a great point, because. I lose I lose to Brilliman and I throw my deck down and I say I can't believe I lost to a no star sneech. Um that right. it, you may want to try to fix the situation by saying, well, actually Brilliman wins this round then. You don't do that. You still apply the game to the next match. It's not it's if you yeah, so CJ just lost to me, okay, gets mad, okay, and then does his thing. And what are we gonna we're gonna come up and say, like, oh well you just lost another game in this match yeah that's not really a penalty right right that 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 doesn't that doesn't do anything that doesn't that doesn't uh reinforce the behavior that we want well okay yeah the situation i'm talking about is say say the guy who is doing the unsporting conduct won and then did the unsporting conduct you know the judge might want to be like because because the guy who lost is the one who was offended or uh attacked here um they you know the judge might want to be like well you know what i'm gonna have you win instead but that's just not how we do we don't we don't go back in time for penalties no so all right that was my main point there okay so to re- to recap failure to follow a direct instruction that i give to you insults another person based on the things that you know better your your mama taught you um not to not to insult people on these things and then aggressive behavior or aggressive or violent behavior that is not directed at another person or another person's property okay the player fixes it if he doesn't fix it he can be uh, uh he can expect to leave the venue and you can apply the game loss to the next game if it's between games okay okay so let's let's touch on the the final unsporting conduct we were going to talk about today unsporting conduct minor jess 
Yes, unsporting conduct minor. You want to uh, see what's that? Uh, do you want to do this one? Which I guess you sure. started. So yes, he did. Uh, the definition <laughs> of unsporting conduct minor is that a player takes action that is disruptive to the tournament or its participants. It may affect the comfort level of those around the individual, but determining whether or not this is the case is not required. So it, the important part about that is that if somebody does something that could make someone uncomfortable, you don't have to have somebody say that made me uncomfortable to give them this penalty. Uh, Examples include players using excessively vulgar and profane language, uh, inappropriately demanding uh, a judge uh, to a judge that their opponent receive a penalty, uh, appealing to the head judge before waiting for the floor judge to issue a ruling. Now, hold on, st- star. Now, this is kind of interesting uh, because in the other cases, a player uses excessively vulgar or profane language. Is basically you you have players potentially getting upset, and a player demanding to a judge that an opponent receives the penalty. You know, the opponent can can kind of feel bullied or, or that kind of thing. But in this particular one, you're actually making the judge feel uncomfortable, right? right? And that's kind of the important thing is, you know, since this is a player takes an action that is disrupting to the tournament or uh, its participants, well, you're a ju- you're a participant as a judge. Mm-hmm. You're in you're in the tournament, right? So you, the TO, the scorekeeper, those guys, you you are all in this as well. Okay, sorry. No, that's fine. Uh, so uh, the last two examples are that a player taunts his opponent for making a bad play or leaves excessive trash in the play area after leaving the table. Leaves uh, excessive trash plus some note on how to find him. Yes. <laughs> it is the truth about that one. Yes, this is a penalty that I see happen a lot, but it's very hard to enforce. Yeah. Because when you notice the trash left at the table, well, there's no player there anymore. Uh, here's, here's normally what I do, because I, I just laugh at the fact that because those convention water bottles are normally like $4, and then they leave, you know, a, a two-thirds full water bottle. I'm just I'm just like, up. Oh, your penalty is I just threw away two of your dollars. <laughs> yeah, this, this is a penalty. The trash part I would love to give, but one day I'll catch someone. Oh, it's so obnoxious and it's excessive trash. It's not like a single bottle. I'm talking right. like the pizza box and the styrofoam container with the wings. I'm talking about they won a pile of draft leavings. Yep, they won a box and they sit there and open it all and just. This this happens very frequently at our store. Not even people winning a box. It's not even people in the tournament. Just people buy a box, decide to open it all, leave, uh, take the rares, leave the wrappers and the commons and the uncommons on the table, mm-hmm. all spread out over an eight foot table. It's ridiculous. I hate you um, guys. <laughs> but and there's no way to to track this person down after the fact. Um, but if you happen to see them do it and they're in the event, you can give them this penalty. If they're not in the event, you could still give them this penalty, but it's not appropriate to give it to them if they're not leaving the trash in the play area. Um, so and, and excessive, you, right? I mean, yeah. we're not we're not just talking there the one water bottle or the 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 wrapper from the pack of sleeves that they opened or their notepad and their pen. Yeah. No, we're talking That's about the guy sense. that leaves that leaves his McDonald's bag and his fry container and his drink out with his his uh, you know the, and also his sleeves wrappers and and everything else and opened all his packs and left the wrappers like uh, the leaves. So much trash that someone would feel uncomfortable sitting down at that table. Right. And and the other thing, we, we read off these examples. So the, one of the reasons why we went backwards is we started with aggressive behavior because aggressive behavior had a set definition. These things. 
uh, a USC major had another list of things. These things. USC USC minor is kind of like after you take away those things, like all the other stuff that just that's disruptive or makes people uncomfortable. Uh, uh, those kind of things. So it's kind of the the, the catch all, you know, leaving a lot of trash. Uh, no, that's that makes people uncomfortable. Swearing a lot. Those those make people uncomfortable. Um, just yeah. Uh, excessive, excessive trolling of the judges. Yeah. You know, something I see a bit is is uh, what I would call an offensive playmat. Now, I've never actually given minor for that, though. I, I've just asked people to, to not use the playmat or something like that. Would you guys actually give Unsporting Conduct minor if someone, you know, had a playmat with, say, nudity on it? For me? Yeah. Okay. Um, if I saw the playmat, then I would just ask them to, to, to turn it over. If if a player came to me and told me about it, then I, w- I would probably give you a C minor. Yeah, that, that's a great distinction there. I don't think I've ever had a player actually come to me, but I, I usually try to get them to turn it over or just, you know, do okay. something with it. And if it's and if it's just like if it's I mean, if it's like just full frontal yeah. or something along those lines. Well, that's, yeah, I, I went, that's, that's why I went I with an extreme it. example. So there's right. no. Right then, yes, I would do. Yeah. I would do minor. I would do minor straight up there, even if a uh, player didn't. A uh, player didn't see anything. But if it's if it's scantily clad, then just don't use that. Flip it over, whatever. Turn your shirt inside out. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> okay. So, oh, sounds, uh, is that? I mean, is everything? Oh, um, no. So again, no. with uh, with just like with USC major. Uh, the player is expected to stop it. <laughs> Whatever it is that they're doing, they stop it. Um, and this does uh, uh, getting USC minor again, uh, w- even if it's not for the same thing, uh, gets upgraded to a game loss. Yeah. Well, okay. and we should mention it's a warning. I don't think we've said that. So, oh, sorry. Aggressive yes. behavior, disqualification, unsporting conduct major is a game loss, and then unsporting conduct minor is. A warning that the second time will be upgraded to a game loss for anything. So a guy that we had on, uh, uh, James Elliott, uh, we had on a few episodes ago, has a great seminar on uh, USC minor major. And he gets into he gets into, you know, the. Uh, the distinction between things that that might seem like uh, major, um, but are really that are really minor, um, and that kind of thing with with word choice and because just saying something, I guess getting getting back into like you know insulting a person, you can say something. This is really awkward without going into examples, <laughs> uh, which he does. And he's got he's got these nice these nice videos of with scenarios and stuff like that in them. Um, but the big the big thing is and I'm just going to go ahead and say it, uh, saying something like that's gay versus you're gay. Yeah. OK, saying you're gay, you are saying you are saying you are a negative you know, I mean, basically, that's what you're saying. You're saying it to say that they're they're being negative, or you're saying something about them is negative. Their sexual orientation is a negative thing. That's USC major. You are directing that at them as a negative thing. 
They just make a play. And I want to I want to clarify what Brian just said. I don't think he's saying <laughs> okay. that 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 sexual orientation is a negative thing. He's saying no, that you no, are no. implying that it is a negative thing when you yes. say that. You by saying that that's gay, you are saying that their sexual orientation is a negative thing. Okay. Um, if you say if you're saying that's gay, like they flip something over or they 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 rip a sick top deck or whatever, and someone says and it's like, oh, that's gay. Okay, that is an example of USC minor. You are not directing it at a person. But it's still something that can make someone uncomfortable. It is still something that can make someone uncomfortable for obvious reasons. Yeah. Okay. so so that there is a, a, a distinction. And the the definition of USC minor is is, you know, kind of allows a little bit of um a little bit of give and play, uh, because this is this is a definition that encompasses the entire world, right? And different different areas are going to have. Uh, uh, I'm get, actually I'm getting into the and getting into the regular REL definition, which we haven't talked about at all yet. So I'm just gonna punt till we get to that. So if it's something that can make someone uncomfortable, then yes, it's 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 USC minor. You don't have to have evidence that it made someone uncomfortable. And you don't have to deal with the whole, like, it's a free country, I can say whatever I want, excuse. It's like, sure, not in this venue. Yeah, you're in a private establishment. It doesn't it doesn't work like that. Right, it doesn't mean you can say whatever you want here. It means you can go you make your own place and say whatever you want there. <laughs> All right, so do we want to talk about what the jar says about these things? Yeah, you know I do. I, I, since I started to segue into that. Yeah, but now you can keep keep on going. All right. So the the jar breaks things down into common issues. So this this is for regular for F and M and stuff like that. So far we've been talking about the competitive REL events, your GPTs and such. Um, for F and Ms and stuff like that, we look at the jar, and the jar actually kind of follows in a lot of ways uh, the the IPG. There's a lot of parallels. Okay, the jar breaks things down into common issues, general unwanted behaviors, and serious problems. Um, well, shocker, none of this stuff is under common issues when we're talking unsporting conduct. It's all either general unwanted behaviors or serious problems. Okay, so the general unwanted behaviors is you know uh, players doing stuff that can upset players, using offensive language, uh, destroying their own properties. You know, like tearing up their card or, or that kind of thing, or just like slamming their deck down or something like that. Um, in F and M, for the most part, there's two sanctions: hugs or, <laughs> or 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 DQ. And this doesn't really fall into either. This is actually the 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 middle area where there actually is a um, an area where you tell them, "Hey, you need to stop that." Um, and then if they don't stop it, then it's going to become a serious problem and serious problems are, uh, result in, uh, DQs. Yeah. And th- and that's a big point there is I think sometimes people feel like you never disqualify anyone at regular REL, but you certainly disqualify them for what we called aggressive behavior. I mean, that's basically let me, let the exact same situation. Since you brought it up, that's actually a common misconception is that there are things that you can't get disqualified for at regular REL or that you won't get disqualified for at regular REL that you would get disqualified for at competitive REL. That is simply not true. Mm-hmm. Something that will get you disqualified from an event will get you disqualified from any event. Um, th- there's no distinction between the two. Um, it's just that there are things that will get you game losses or match losses that wouldn't at regular REL. But if you're doing something, if you're cheating or you're being aggressive or violent uh, towards another person, then, then these things are going to get you disqualified. Yep. 
Um, and and so if you're if you're just being like doing something that would get you say USC uh, major at a competitive event, if you're doing that same behavior at an FNM, you're going to get a talking to. Okay, hey, I need you to stop, uh, and you're going to explain to the person as to why, and hopefully uh, that's all that's necessary. But if they keep go- if they keep doing it, well, that's when we get into the the situation where. Um, that becomes a serious problem, and we deal with serious problems at FNM the same way we deal with all serious problems at FNM. That's bye. You're not playing here anymore today. Yep. 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 Okay. Well, anything else you want to cover with regular REL? I don't think so. I feel like there's something we're missing with regular REL, but I, I can't I can't put my finger on what it is. If you know what we're missing, send us an email. <laughs> Do that one. That's what Brian always does. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I picked that up from uh, from Chewy from the Mana Pool. Uh, it's, a, it's another podcast on the MTG Cast Network. Whenever they'd say something, they they, they, were, they 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 try and solicit emails. So they're always, you know, they say things slightly controversial, and they're like, "I wonder if we're gonna get email. Send us an email and tell uh, us that you don't like what we do." So I stole it. All right, well, let's dive. I'm not ashamed. I, I think I think that's a good covering of the the uh, stealing would not be unsporting conduct, major, minor, or aggressive behavior. I guess if you stole some other player's thing, that'd be aggressive behavior. So what? Let's dive into our news. Isn't that theft? Well, it's theft of tournament materials is the penalty. So if I steal the the tent that says what table numbers are, sure. But if I steal someone else's stuff, that's 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 still theft of tournament. Like if you if you steal um if you steal one of their decks that you steal their deck that they're using in the tournament. Oh yeah, that is still theft of tournament that's, material. That's theft of tournament material. Yeah, look at that. All right. Well, look at that. I'll learn it's some things on the uh, on the next time we talk about unsporting conduct. Yeah. Now, now, if they steal like someone's, you know, EDH deck, and you're, you know, they're playing in a modern tournament, and you steal their EDH deck out of the bag. Now that's something. See, now I'm that, now wondering how far I can run with Judge. He stole my tokens. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right, all right. Emails, all right. emails. How about news? Well, no, no news. This this is a 2013 podcast. All right, guys, get ready. I know we've been waiting three years for this, but finally, for the rest of this year, we can put 2013 in our Judge Center reviews. Yes. Celebrate. I'm giving them. Giving. I've got my arms up doing devil horns right now. I got like 38 reviews I'm going to write now that I can finally put <laughs> 2013. Right, and some of those down. reviews are from 2012, right? Yeah, well, because it's can't... not just 2013. So, so what you need to do, what you need to do, because there's only one person, to my knowledge, that can change your reviews after a certain time period, and I think that's Andy Heck. So everybody needs to send him an email to correct their their previous reviews. <laughs> and no, tell them Brian like told it. you to do it. We like Andy. <laughs> no. Oh, what are you doing? So. <laughs> Do you realize yeah, that so, even if like half a percent of our listeners do that, then I'm going to get a nasty or half of one percent of a, our listeners do that. I'm going to get a nasty email. Yeah, I think that was the point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah OK. I, you could be, and I'll just tell Andy. I told him not to say that. Oh, uh, but it's recorded <laughs> now. Oh, I'm going to. I'm just hoping our listeners are lazy. That's my only out. They are. That's why they listen to us instead of just reading. I know, documents. right? It's like they're they're magic players, <laughs> and in general, magic. Eh. Eh. 
So that's exciting, but unfortunately, uh, two steps forward, one step back, we come together because opposites attract. <laughs> and you uh, know it ain't fiction. It's, it's a matter of fact. fact. Oh, natural. you're right. You're right. It is natural fact. Um, they a couple things may have been broken <laughs> with this change, with the change of adding 2013. By the way, 2014 is not a selectable year, so we can only do this for like two months. But right. maybe they'll fix it in 2017. <laughs> um, Unfortunately, when you're creating an exam, it, it has that screen where it shows the language. Uh, for reasons unknown, the language is repeated multiple times. So you'll see like English eight times and Russian eight times or whatever. I thought it was just English got repeated 13 times. Yeah, it's it's once per type of exam that exists or something like that. But the point is that functionally doesn't actually change anything. But don't start posting to the forums like, oh, I found this bug in Judge Center. You know what? Actually, so if you pick the first Eng the first listing of the English language and the tenth listing of the English language, they work the same. Yeah, it should be fine. So, uh, additionally, Brian Schenk mentioned that unfortunately notifications are not working with Judge Center right now. So if someone writes a review of you because they can with the 2013 year, you will not be emailed about it. So because right, okay. now that we've moved into the future, we don't need to email people about uh, about anything, right? right? That's how that works. Yeah. No one would use email by 2013. It'll now post to your Facebook wall. That, oh. All right, guys. Let's talk about Bruna and Bestow. So on last episode, we said that Bruna, who basically when she enters, when she attacks, she attaches like all auras to her, give or take. Um, we said that if there was a bestow away on a creature, the creature, the bestow away would become a creature and not attached to Bruna. Um, since then, Matt Tabak has posted on Twitter and I think in some of the forums that that is not actually the case. What bestow is looking for is for a moment when the creature is unattached, not the moment when it unattaches. Does that make sense? So we, we were under the mis misunderstanding uh, that uh, of how the game defines being unattached. Uh, and we assumed that it meant when it becomes unattached from a creature. And what it actually means is if there is a point at which it is not attached to a creature. Uh, so that means that all of your bestowed auras will move to Bruna. Mm -hmm. And I think the same is true for Simic Guild Mage. Yeah, he, he uh, does the same thing, basically. And uh, so, so in those cases, your aura just moves. Nothing interesting happens. It works the same way as it does with other auras. We were wrong. I'm sorry. Well, in fairness, Matt Tavak did say that perhaps some more words could be added to the rules that handle this. Yeah. And in fairness, I agree with that statement. No, no, wasn't there? Yeah, because wasn't there? Because Grafted War Gear still right. Grafted War Gear reads uh, when it becomes unattached uh, from a permanent from a permanent sacrifice that permanent. And if you were just attaching it from one permanent to another permanent, it would still trigger. Um, but right, but becomes but becomes unattached. Uh, triggers if Grafted War Gear leaves the battlefield. Yes, also that. Okay, so I think in the emails he. And I guess we got to we got to look this up a little bit more and do a little bit more research. But apparently the from a permanent being added to the grafted war gear makes the difference. Yeah, something like that. So additionally, as part of this uh, format change we're trying out here beyond uh, news coming later. So the truth is we're getting too many emails to keep up with. We just can't do it. Our last email show, I think we did 24 emails. And when I counted for this episode, we had another 16 to answer, I think. And that's not to say that we can't answer them. Oh, we just yeah. can't air them on the show. Yeah. So from here on out, we're only going to read five emails. So five -ish, ish. Five emails. Ish. Ish. 
ish so if we read your email that means we like you a whole lot and if we don't read your email it means we don't like you at all we hate you (laughs) so so write us a song and that's how you that's how you get no 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 no, don't feel like you need to do that so in fact just you don't need to give us that you don't need to give us the huge praise or whatever just send us your questions we'll answer them but they may not end up on the show yeah we will always reply to your email um by email we just may not read it on the show we're going to try to pick five that have you know maybe some variety and uh are interesting topics and maybe things we haven't talked about too much or you know we we just pick out the five as we go but ish emails But we are we are starting to see a trend like once once per show, we get an email along the lines of, hey, I'm looking to become a judge. How can I go about doing that? Right. And so we'll 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 respond to that. We'll answer. We will answer every email that you send us. You know, please don't stop. (laughs) Okay. All right. So let's dive into our first email from Christopher Meyer. Uh, He has some praise. Basically said if he had cookies, he would give us. The cookies, and that's nice, I guess. Uh, his rules question. Player A casts Portent of Betrayal or any Act of Treason type spell. So anything that's gain control target creature until end of turn, uh, untap it, it has haste, that kind of thing. Targeting player ends Bear Cub, enchanted with an Ordeal of Heliod. So Ordeal of Heliod reads, whenever enchanted creature attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Then if it has three or more plus one, plus one counters on it, sacrifice Ordeal of Heliod. When you sacrifice Ordeal of Heliod, you gain 10 life. The Bear Cub already has two counters on it. Um, so player A takes his opponent's Bear Cub with the Ordeal on it and attacks with the Bear Cub. What happens? Dun, dun, dun. Uh, All right. The oh. uh, go ahead. No, no, take it. Okay, so the player who casts Portent of Betrayal will gain control of the target of Portent of Betrayal until end of turn. However, they do not gain control of the enchantments and the auras that are attached to that target. So, what's the target? The creature, the whatever creature we're using in this scenario, uh, is that that you you take control of with Portent of Betrayal. Losing it has some auras attached to it, and when it attacks, those auras are still controlled by the original player. So in this case, with Ordeal of Heliod, you uh, you sacrifice Ordeal of Heliod even though your opponent controls your permanent. So whoever originally controlled the Ordeal still controls the Ordeal, and when it attacks, they'll get those counters. And if it is the third counter, they'll gain that life or make them discard cards or draw cards or whatever it is they happen to be doing for that particular Ordeal. Right. So, uh, so this actually comes up really frequently in this set. Yeah, yeah, I- didn't think about it during the um, the FAQ episode. So yeah, so in this specific questions case, player A who controls um, the bear cub after the portent of betrayal resolved. Oh, it's a bear cub. Will oh, not, I, didn't, I didn't get that from Jess's explanation. Will not draw. Uh, will not gain the life because it is not his ordeal of Heliod. Uh, but the bear cub still gets the counter and still attacks for five. Uh, Chris also sent in a quick explanation for why rescue from the underworld exile itself. I guess we talked about that a little bit. He said if it didn't, you'd be able to loop it with cards like mnem- mnemonic wall. Wow, that card's mnemonic wall. And then he also talked about the pronunciation of Shimmera or Chimera for a while, but he it's, English is silly. Yeah, the proper pronunciation of Shimmera is Shimmera. A lot of people think it's Shimmera. In fact, it, it, while it's Shimmera, it's in fact Shimmera. At first I thought it was pronounced Shimmera, but then I heard someone pronounce it Shimmera instead of Shimmera, and we decided to look up the pronunciation. I should be replacing some of those Shimmeras with Chimeras. Chimera, 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 Chitty Chimera, Chimera. I've heard a lot of different yeah. pronunciations. Yeah, kimchi. All right, our next email is from Joel Kim Drescher. Delicious. <laughs> 
and I, like this one, the title of this one is Pit Fight in Abu Jafar. I was sneezing. <laughs> Same. Pit Fight in Abu Jafar. So, <laughs> this is the best question ever. Yeah. So let me read the modern oracle text of Abu Jafar. It reads, as soon as I pull it up, if Abu dies, like it says if Abu, not Jafar. If Abu it dies. Abu, it says Abu Jafar. No, in, in the Oracle text. Oh, this is not the Oracle text. No. Ah, oh, come on, bro. When Abu Jafar dies, destroy all creatures blocking or blocked by it. They can't be regenerated. Okay, simple enough. So he says, I love the show. I am just getting back into playing Magic and have been playing uh, my girlfriend who played in college. I purchased all new cards from Innistrad through Theros while my girlfriend plays a lot of her classic legacy cards. <laughs> Seems fair. I create a red-green deck centered around the pit fight mechanic, so I guess he just means fight, and have a question about how that mechanic interacts with Abu Jafar. I believe that pit fight mechanic is separate from actual combat, and thus Abu Jafar's ability would have no effect, but would love to know the correct way this interacts. There actually is a card called Pit Fight. I know, but he see when he says the pit fight mechanic, he means fight. Oh, okay. Um, assume as an example, I am pit fighting a Karkanur against Abu Jafar. So, so, so one thing is the the original text of Abu Jafar is what I started to say. So, if Abu Jafar is put into the graveyard from play during combat, bury all creatures blocking or blocked by Abu Jafar. So, the first note is whenever you're talking about old cards, go look up the actual oracle text, which is what I was trying to do. So, okay. So now yes. he just says he doesn't he doesn't mention this. Um, he doesn't mention combat specifically, but he does say when Abu Jafar dies, show all creatures blocking or blocked by it. They can't be regenerated. So how does pit fight work with that fight? Yes. Which is not actually being in combat. Yes. So you don't actually block or are blocked by a creature when you fight another creature. Uh, despite the fact that it kind of seems like they're in combat, they're not really. His whole creature type was summon leper. Yeah, man. That's awesome. <laughs> now he's just a stinky old human. human. Not even not even a class. Not even like cleric or something. Get on that, guys. Get on that, wizards. Uh, we need we need the, our leper back. That's a shame. Do we have lemur? Is lemur? I don't think it is. I don't know either. Because there's Pretty that. Sure it's not. There's that card. Um, lemur. Lemur. And the story behind that one is like the artist didn't know what a lemur is. It's supposed to be some kind of like. I don't know, it's a ghost spirit. or something. Yeah, yeah, it's a ghost. The spirit. Hylopterus Lemur. So he just drew a lemur. Wait, what was the name off. of that card? Hylopterus Lemur. I nailed it. <laughs> well, I feel like I can't. I mean, Hylopterus? Hylopter. I can't dispute your pronunciation. But yeah, the uh, the artist didn't know what a lemur is, which I also don't know what a lemur is. So he drew a lemur, and that's why the art has a lemur on it. <laughs> Right. And in fun. fact, in, in Time Spiral, they actually did a a, a joke card. Um, let's see, it called uh, 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 Visid, Visid Lemures. Okay, so Hyalopterus hi, hi Lemure are, they drew lemurs. They drew like lemurs <laughs> with uh, with wings. Yeah, the big eyes, so, yeah. With the big eyes. And so in Viscid Lemures, which are actually spirits, and they look like spirits, the flavor text is is lemurs. Is that all? Finally, something harmless <laughs> quoted from Norin the Wary, and it's kind of a, a joke to the Hyalopterus lemurs lemurs from Ice Age. All right. Okay. All right. Another another reason to start flavor cast. But our next question comes from Adam Wilson. Yeah. And it's a four three. Those the, those lemurs are four threes, aren't they? Yeah. Two of them could take out a colossal whale. <laughs> a colossal whale. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Adam Wilson says, if I have a Vesuva copying a cloud post, how much mana will each produce? So Vesuva just enters the battlefield as a copy of uh, any land. And cloud post is a land with the type of locust, and it adds one to your mana pool for each locust on the battlefield. Yep. So uh, so when it comes down, uh, when Vesuva comes down and you say, hey, I'm copying cloud post, it is going to hit as a cloud post, land, locust, tap, add one mana to your mana pool for each locust on the battlefield. So now you have dos. Yeah, you just have two cloud, two locusts, loci. Loci. Uh, he actually asked two questions in in reply to that. So this this counts. This counts in our five ish. Uh, he says, if I have one life and force a will spell of my opponents, will the spell be countered? Oh, and I and I, and I said uh, I said, well, sure. Uh, uh, per, assuming that you cast it for three blue blue, <laughs> right? Uh, otherwise, uh, when you pay your one life, uh, for the force of will spell, you cast it. Force of will is now on the stack, and before any player would get priority, state-based actions are checked, and you, my friend Adam Wilson, are dead. I actually saw something similar come up at a Grand Prix uh, where a player was at six life and their opponent was at three. So they cast uh, using Snapcaster Mage and two Gutshots. They cast Gutshot three times, paying life for it. And there was some confusion over who was dead. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Oh. That's funny. Oh. (laughs) That's, That's so sad. All right, next. From Sean Kuiker, uh, all praise unto thee, O mighty judge cast lords. I am not worthy of your attention, so on and so forth. You know, people really peter out at the ends of these. I know, they start off strong, and then they're just like, eh, and bloody blah, blah, blah. Whatever, etc. All right, if a player That's has... That's fine, we'll answer it anyway. <laughs> if a player has a Catharsis Crusade in play, uh, which is whenever a creature enters the battle under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control, and then place a Funkel Sprouting. So it says put X one one green sapling creature tokens on the battlefield for X is the greatest power among creatures you control. Where X is in this case, for the sake of example, six. What sort of madness ensues? He wants to know: Do each of the saplings enter the battlefield simultaneously, or one at a time? So basically, do they all get six plus one plus one counters, or does the intri- does a sapling enter, then they get a count, then they all get a counter, and then another sapling enters, and they all get a counter, and so on and so forth? Uh, well, this one's. Uh, I like this question. It's a good question, but it's it's uh, it's pretty straightforward. When you put all these creatures into play. Um, they enter the battlefield at the same time. <clears throat> and then the game checks uh, state-based actions, then it checks if any abilities have triggered, and this ability has triggered six times. So you will put all six of those triggers on the stack, and then one at a time, you'll put a plus one, plus one counter on all six creatures. So each of your creatures will get six plus one, plus one counters. Yep, pretty sweet. He also asks... Uh, on our related note, I've somewhat recently become an avid listener of your podcast, and it's quickly become my favorite noise to intake while I work. The more I listen and learn, the more I yearn to become involved in the judge program. Is it feasible to do so without working at a card shop? I have free time to volunteer for FNMs and the like, but no real connections to local shops. Thank you for your almighty wisdom, for which I am most unworthy again. Um, wow. Yeah. I mean, the answer is here, like, neither Brian or I work at a card shop. Nope. And Jess just happens to work at, like, one of the largest card shops. So it's not like he's just working at the local game but, store. Uh, that's true. But also, I was a judge before I had this job. Yeah, that's also so, point. No. Um, you don't have to work at a card store, and the vast majority of judges don't work at a card shop. They uh, they volunteer their time for either excuse me for either Friday Night Magic or pre-releases or Grand Prix trials or PTQs or whatever it happens to be. 
they go out and say, I love this game. I love this community. I want to help out in the way I can as a judge. And they help. Um, and I know level one judges that do exactly that. They, they only work at pre-releases and that's how they want to participate. And that's totally fine. And they're awesome judges. Uh, and then I also know judges who decided, Hey, I want more commitment. And they go out and they work judges or they, they work as judges at events almost every weekend and they still don't work for a card shop. So you could say whatever level of participation you want, you don't have to work at a card store to attain it. Yeah. And, and that's as a, as a employee, like I, I answered Sean's email and I want to apologize because I actually misread his sentence when he said, uh, is it feasible to do so without working at a card shop? And the way I interpreted that as not I did not interpret that as the guy behind the counter. I interpreted it as the guy running FNM. Okay, or the guy, you know, basically the guy working FNM, and I working is in like air quotes. So, you know, when I answered your question, Sean, I answered it as it's like, hey, can I be a judge without actually judging? <laughs> Uh, and so my answer was kind of no. <laughs> um, uh, but right, you do not actually, you do not have to be an employee of the store. Um, regular events, they let you play and judge at the same time. So you can be just, and a lot of people get their start by, they're just the rules guy at the store just because people, you know, they play and people trust what they say. And that's how they get their start judging. And they never actually become an employee of the store. Yeah. You get your free entry into FNM, maybe a soda or something like that. Yeah. All right. Last Soda's important, man. Last one. Hey, I need my sodas. Last one from Darren Cisneros. Uh, he thanks us. Says he's going to become a judge. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. You're welcome, Darren. That sounded snarky. It wasn't meant to. <laughs> we do appreciate that stuff. I just can't. I just can't read them all. Um, my question for you was a topic of discussion between a friend and myself. We were talking about how Restoration Angel and Master of Waves interact. I believe that if one were to blink a master with Resto Angel, that the one zero elemental tokens would survive the Master of Waves being blinked. My friend believes that they would die. Could you please settle this for us? So Master of Waves is a newer card. He's he's made quite a splash. Uh-huh. <laughs> Man, wait for the fun. Um, he has an ability. Elemental creatures you control get plus one, plus one. And when Master of Waves enters the battlefield, put a number of one zero blue elemental creature tokens on the battlefield equal to your devotion to blue. And he costs like two of the blue or something. Uh, doesn't matter. So yeah, say say we have one out. We have a couple of the of the uh, one zero elemental tokens. So they're two ones. So what would happen if we if we flickered them with Restoration Angel, which just so literally flicker flickers, removes them from the battlefield and brings them back? Restoration Angel will come down. It will uh, exile Master of Waves. When Master of Waves, for that brief second that Master of Waves is gone, your elementals will revert to being. One zero. Um, then, because we're processing the spell in the middle, we will. Uh, sorry, we're we're processing the effect rather. Uh, and we're doing all the effects, and we finish that out. We're going to return the master of waves back to the battlefield. Those one twos are going, or so there's one zeros are going to go back to being two ones. And then, for the trigger gets put on the stack, the master of waves trigger goes on the stack. We're going to check state based actions. Okay. And state-based actions, it's going to look for any creatures with toughness of uh, a zero or less. And it's not going to find any because Master of Waves is back. So the point is, we only we only check uh, state-based actions. We don't check them in the middle of resolving a spell or ability. Uh, we check them before a player would receive priority. 
So in between those two state-based action checks, the the first one uh, before Restoration's Angel's ability resolves, and then the one after, um, uh, we had Master of Waves appear and reappear in between those two points. So at no point, at no point in for one of the checks, where the creature did the creatures have zero toughness. Okay. Yep. And then I think Jess, you wanted to talk about blinking oh, right. gods. So well, not blinking the gods, but like let's say in a similar scenario, I control Master of Waves and Thassa, uh, and my total devotion to blue is currently five. Um, and I attack with everybody. You do some blocking, and I go. Oh, I'm going to cast Restoration Angel and blink my Master of Waves. Uh, this works a little differently. Because you blink it out and you blink it back in. In that moment that it was gone, your devotion was only four. And the the god's ability is a continuous effect and has nothing to do with state-based actions. So it's constantly calculated. And at that moment when it's gone, your Thassa is not a creature. So it will be removed from combat. Uh, even though at the beginning and end of the effect resolving it's a creature, in the middle it's not. So it's removed from combat. So these two things kind of work entirely differently because they're different kinds of effects. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Five-ish emails. Done. Ish. Ish. Done-ish. Gonna go eat a Danish. If Is you... it a Danish Danish? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> if you want to email us and hopefully be one of our five-ish, you can email us at judgecast at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash judgecast. Go to our website at judgecast.com. We're now on the Magic Judge blogs page, which I don't even know the URL of that, but we're on there. You have lots of options. It'll be in the show notes. We're on, no. We're on mtgcast.com all over the place. Zune. We're in the Zune. Zune. Yeah. Is that still around? Does that still exist? I, one guy asked for it, and it took like no work to put it on there. By the way, we're not on iTunes still. Zune was way easier. Anyway. That's that's another thing. Not bitter about that at all. Not bitter you? at all. Okay, you guys have anything else you want to add? Any anything unsporting? No. No, it's for the best. That that's for post post podcast talk. Yes, we will be very <laughs> we'll be very uh, uh aggressive. <laughs> we will. I'm gonna be minorly aggressive. All right, guys. Thanks for being on this podcast with me. Thanks to everyone for listening. My name's CJ Schrader. I keep it fair. I'm Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. I'm Vern Prilliman. I keep it ish. Ish. <laughs> I mean, I assigned, I spent four hours the first night that we did this, just sitting in front of the computer with a list of Generation 1 Transformers, reading, this guy seems more like a breakout than a swindle. <laughs>